Hello, and welcome to episode 191 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. A warm welcome to Alyssa H., Sarah S., Chris N., Liana S., and Ken M. to the Modern Manager membership community. Did you know that I hold live Q&A sessions twice each month? Well, I do. And during these calls, we tackle whatever challenges or situations you personally are dealing with at work. You get to hear from me as well as other managers who share their experiences and their advice. And you get to help other managers overcome their challenges too. I love these calls. We always have so much fun and we cover a wide range of topics and everyone gets to contribute. If you are interested in joining us, head on over to themodernmanager.com slash join and sign up at the bud level. Today's guest is Lisa Marie Platsky. Lisa Marie is an award-winning leadership expert in human behavior and recognized as one of the top 100 women making a difference in the world. She left her federal law enforcement career after 9-11 to build Upside Thinking Inc. She's also a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, and Lisa Marie has trained or coached over 100,000 leaders around the globe. Lisa Marie and I talk about the leadership blueprint. She shares the three principles of the leadership blueprint, which can help you up your management game and unleash your full potential as a people leader. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lisa Marie. I am excited to talk with you about this leadership blueprint idea. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Mamie. All right. So why don't you start by giving us an overview of the leadership blueprint? Sure. I'd love to. So I created the blueprint because I would have people ask me questions about like, what are the simple steps for me to get started? as being a leader that's worth following. And so I identified that there were three principles that I would see over and over again. And the first one is to stop doing what you've been taught, that sometimes there are voices in our heads that go, oh, you should do this, or oh, you'd be really good at this. And rather than operating in a way that is really about using your gifts and abilities and talents and experiences you do what other people's, whatever other voices there are, tell you to do. And so the principle is all about transformation. It's all about transforming in being very, very clear about on your path, on your journey, whether you're working with as a new manager, as somebody who's mid-level, as somebody who's a founder, that you're really clear about what it takes for you to be successful. What do you want? Not what you've been told success should look like. So that's number one. And then number two is all about moving three things a mile. And this is that one thing that you do really well can create magic for others and in the work that you do. And it's all about ensuring that you're really clear about where you're investing your time, being in the here and now, being present. And so the fast track principle for That element in the blueprint is all around focus, being clear. And then the third principle is all about courage and how courage is really more important than expertise. 
those are people who understand and and lots of knowledge and lots of of information that comes in and yet that's never translated into action and why because it takes a lot of courage to, to step out and do something that's different having the courage to do something when you're completely afraid when it doesn't make sense when you're taking a leap of faith and people tell you it's the crazy thing to do and that, i really appreciate that you speak about working with others working with teams being a people leader because that in and of itself takes a lot of courage and the fast track principle around with regards to courage is that it's about identifying for yourself where it is that you want to go there's something that i've heard you mention it's you know how you work is as important as what you accomplish and to me that's about being on that journey being willing to be a deeply courageous leader and i could go into that for days because i've got three elements for courageous leadership and and just just believe that it is so much more important than expertise because it's the only way you get to action well i feel like we should dive into each of these but i have to say <laughs> i love it when my guests get to quote back things that i've said or i put on my website or i post on social media that's so exciting so i'm just want to say thank you for noticing that you know, because I, I really do believe that how you work is just as important as what you accomplish. And that is why I do this show to help people figure out how they can do their work in ways that feel good and create that right environment for other people to thrive. So just need to give a little shout out to you for being an awesome guest. Okay. But now really back into this, these three principles, because, you know, they're really interesting in the sense that they support and reinforce each other. And I want to make sure we have time to dive into each of them. So maybe let's go in reverse order because this courage expertise thing is something that I hear a lot from managers that, you know, sometimes they're managing people who have more expertise than they do. And, you know, that can be sometimes difficult or challenging or at least feel kind of like a strange position to be in because you don't know as much as your team members. So maybe can you talk more about this courage versus expertise dimension? Absolutely. And I, I want to do a shout out to you for your great noticing, for really noticing what it is that you've seen over and over again with, with courage. So I, I can share a story with when I was newly promoted and when I was working in federal law enforcement. And so I had four years of experience on the job and there were guys that were that I was promoted to supervise that had 30 years, 37 years, had far more experience than I did on the job. And so when, when I speak about courage over expertise, what's really interesting about that is it, it took a lot of courage to be in that role. However, the, the thing that I, I learned was from research that was done in Kozis and Posner are the, the two gentlemen, and they did research on, on what it takes to lead well. What does somebody want to have in somebody that is a leader? What are the characteristics? And there were four. And the characteristics, the first one was all about integrity. The second characteristic is forward thinking. So first, are you somebody I'd want to follow because 
of your your ethics and your ethos? And then second, are you someone that you are going to follow because of your vision, because of where you're going? The third one was inspiration, somebody who was in, inspiring. It doesn't necessarily mean charismatic. It's just somebody who can be excited about the vision. And the fourth one was really interesting. And that one was competence. And so in the past, my definition for that would have been, well, you know, I don't have necessarily the years of experience and the, the, to compete with the, the 37 years on the job. However, the competence is about the sum total of all experiences that you've ever had in your life. So whether or not you are the first time a new person, whether or not you've been the, the manager that's worked with teams for decades, the bottom line is you still get competence from all facets of your life, everything that you do. You, you serve on boards. I serve on boards. There are different areas that we get expertise from, from doing that work. There are roles that we each have in our families that we bring to the table in our workplaces in navigating difficult decisions, in, in crisis communication. And so what I really got was that when I stepped into that role in the government and went, oh my gosh, like, can I do this? Am I really, when I look at all of this, am I qualified? That I had the courage to put myself in there, to compete against all the guys that were going for the job, to get the opportunity to step into the role, to make the decisions that I was making. All of that came from the inner strength and courage that I had that went far beyond the amount of, of knowledge and expertise that I had. And what was interesting is that when I left my role, there was a sign in the office that said, WWLD, what would Lisa do? And it, that sign, as of just a few years ago, still hung in the office. And I've been out of the government for almost 20 years. And the reason why that was the case is because I may not have been the person who had the longest amount of years on the job. However, I had the courage to make difficult decisions. I had the courage to take action on things that were uncomfortable to others. And that's what allowed me to be somebody that my team understood that I had their back and that they could always count on me. So that's one of the reasons why I, I believe from a practical standpoint, courage is definitely more important than expertise. Wow. I mean, first of all, what a incredible experience to go through as a young woman in that situation. And it's a great illustration of how right, expertise is about what you know and courage is about what you do. And so many times as managers, we are not going to know everything. And it's much more important for us, as you're saying, to have the courage to just make a decision knowing it's not going to be perfect or that you're never going to have, you know, you're never going to know if this was ultimately the, the right or the best thing to do, but to just move forward anyways and to, you know, to reach out, to engage people, even when it feels hard or scary or, right, to have those conversations anyways. So I, I totally see how as managers, we cannot rely on being the expert and finding the courage to be vulnerable, to make decisions, to take that step forward, to make those hard decisions. All of that is just so critical. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciate you 
understanding that you don't have to get it all right. It's it's not about that. There were times when I'll tell you, I was there were times when I was standing in the closet with the phone because I really didn't get that. I was like, oh gosh, they, they need me to know it all. They need me to, to have it all. And here I am, the, the, the new supervisor, and I'm standing in the closet calling another colleague going, hey, what do I do in this situation? What do I do? How do I, how do I handle this? And, and then I really got over time, they're not looking for me to be perfect. They're looking for me to be human. They're looking for me to be empathetic. They're looking for me to be somebody who's compassionate about the things that they're going through on in outside of the uniform and inside the office. And that's far more important. And so that idea that you've got to have all the answers, you've got to be the expert of all things, it does managers such a great disservice. So let's talk about this second one, if we're going in reverse order, about focus and priorities, because this is another area that at least I know I struggle with, but many people struggle with, especially when we're not in control of our own workload in the sense that, you know, we have a boss who is telling us these are the five big projects and the main priorities of the organization. And we're juggling all these different pieces of work and trying to be a a good manager and support our team while doing our own work. So Tell me a little bit more about this priorities and focus piece. Great insights, just really great insights that you've got to be the juggler. You're actually the circus act that's got to get all this done. And I see this piece with focus as ensuring that you're aware of what really matters most. And this goes to corporate culture, values, values of your boss, if you're, if there is somebody above you, and most times there is, and really understanding what it is that matters most. Because with that idea of moving three things a mile, it's understanding that life is going to happen. You're going to have lots of projects. You're going to have days when you have it all mapped out, and then all of a sudden, something comes across your desk and you're going, how in the world am I going to fit this in? And so to choose and to decide how to put something in a priority order and to focus on the one thing that matters most is, is to also acknowledge that there's a lot that you may have on your plate and your responsibility is to understand the culture and the organization so well that you're clear, this is what's going to create the greatest impact and this is mine to do. And then once you identify that to say, okay, what I've got is this moment and how do I remain connected to this, to what I'm doing in this moment? And so that's removing distractions. That's completely being present in the here and now in whatever you're doing. And so there's a technique that I sometimes use to check in with myself to ensure that I'm working on what matters most and then I'm focused on what matters most in the moment. And it's called the SNAP technique and it's S-N-A-P. And it's regularly throughout the day, I've gotten in the habit of stopping, noticing, asking myself that question, is this really what I'm to be doing right now? And then the, the P, there's three of them and it's that I pause, 
pray, and pivot if I need to. And for me, that allows me to stay in the moment on what it is that I'm called to do at that time. And so when I get usually approximately 200 emails a day, and then I've got responsibilities from parents that are aging and from people on my team who work in different time zones, clients who work on different continents, everything coming at me, even when I have it all organized, I am giving whatever project and person that I'm working on at the moment, the best of me and not what's left of me. Wow. I feel like that simple practice you're calling snap can be so powerful because I've I feel like we move through our days feeling like we're rushing, putting out fires, going from one meeting to the next, and a million things are running through the back of our minds, holding onto the back burners. And as you said, even when you're organized, it doesn't make it any easier to stay focused, to do one thing at a time, and having a practice like Snap to be able to just I mean, I can imagine like for myself setting my timer on my watch at a random interval and just when it goes off, just checking in with myself to be like, is this what I should be doing right now? Am I staying focused or am I, you know, letting my brain power just get dissipated through all the different things that I'm thinking about? Yeah. And, you know, you you have children. And for me, I get calls during the day from my parents that go, I, I need this. And it's because of health issues and it's because of other responsibilities. I have an uncle that's in, uh, that's mentally disabled that I happen to be also a power of attorney. And so you, you end up with responsibilities that come at you that are your highest priority. You're making those decisions about how much energy do I give this? How much do I give that? I just don't want to be somebody where, you know, I'm with you and then I have other things pulling at me. So even before this podcast, I've had conversations with the people I love in my home to say, I'm doing this. And my goal is to be 100% focused on Mamie and every person listening. That's where my focus is right now. And it's been something that's been very intentional over the years because I used to be a bit like a squirrel that would get pulled away. Everything was, oh my gosh, it's urgent. And, and now it's, I am present. I choose to be present. This is how I want to live my life so that I can be the best for those who are on my team in whatever capacity. Yeah. I mean, that makes, you know, it makes so much sense and it seems so, so simple. Um, and going back to this other idea around being clear about the priorities and what really matters, right? Like there's, there's conversations to be had sometimes with our team about what really matters and to help them prioritize so that they're not doing five things at once and to talk with our boss, if we have one, about our ability to manage so many different things and what what really matters to them so that we can prioritize properly, right? Like we can't just keep allowing this world of you know, everything's a priority and therefore nothing's a priority to continue. So getting clarity for ourselves, for our team members, for our organization, right? That's always a good strategy. And my, I have a client who I've been working with who we, we talk about how if you're running at maximum capacity all the time, then there's no room for error. There's no room for something emergent. So you can't always be 
having five priorities or 15 priorities. You have to have that you have to have space so that when something really important does come up, there's there's room for absorbing it and you're not your plate isn't already overflowing and anything new is just going to fall off the side. Exactly. Exactly. I I I so value that there are others who understand this and are sharing it wildly like you are that you can't there's not a way to work on 100% capacity all the time 24/7. It, it's just not it, it 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 doesn't make any sense and that's why energy management is so important. I understand that the what the best hours of my day are every single day and I understand that there are other hours that are less energy. And so it's just it's just the natural biorhythms of my body that might be different than yours or someone else. And so for for the for the people that I work with and those that are on my team, they each have a different rhythm. And so I'm aware that at three o'clock in the afternoon, I should reach out to this person and not this person. At eight o'clock in the morning, I should reach out to this person and not this person. And because of that, how I schedule my meetings, when I schedule them with them, that all is, is taken into consideration. Because if I want the best, the optimal performance, then to be fully focused, then I want them at their best time. And to expect them to be fully on 24-7 is just unreasonable. Makes so much sense. And it's a great conversation for each of us to have with our colleagues about what are your best head down hours and what are your best conversation with others hours and you know how, how do you need to spend your time to work best? All right. I want to move us to our last, the last of the three c- components, which is around not doing what you're taught, because this is a really interesting and unusual one. So say more about this. Well, stop doing what you're taught is that people get these ideas like, well, you should, you should connect more. You should be more, you should spend more time doing what you love. And what I think is interesting about that is most people those are nebulous statements and most people aren't really clear about what that is. And so, for example, if let's say if you say, well, you should spend more time connecting with other people and the people who are in your circle are people who are wreaking havoc in your life, then what you've got to do is you've got to look at stop connecting with those people and connecting with different people. If you're in the space of You've, you've got a business and you're told to make more money and they're, how you're doing that is creating stress, then you've got to look at, well, what does that look like for me to, what's not working in the manner in which I'm doing this? And most people believe that if they work harder or if they, they keep doing what they're doing, somehow it will all work out for them. And so stop doing what you've been taught is that there are phrases in everyone's mind. I understand that you know you love brain science as much as I do, and you've had people on your show that have spoken about it. And the, the mind is so powerful, and it holds these, these synapses in the brain that are phrases that we remember that turn our thoughts that are unconscious into action. And it doesn't necessarily get us closer to what we truly, truly want. So, you know, I was taught, you know, that you work hard and you get what you want. Well, that sounds great. And what it got me was exhaustion, 
What it got me was burnout. What it got me was feeling incredibly unhealthy as I stepped into the Superman syndrome when I opened my business, thinking that I could cook and clean and run errands and do stuff and run my business and handle stuff all at the same time and magically be this, this uh, amazing businesswoman that truly was giving her best to her clients. And that didn't happen. And what happened was I felt really frustrated and angry at my business, at my clients, at my life. And yet it was like my own creation, my own cause. And so when I stopped going, well, what if work could be easy? What if it could be fun? What if in fact it could bring me joy? What if I stopped taking these pieces? And I've done that in my business with sales. I've done that with how, how I market. Well, you have to do it this way. No, actually, what if I did it this way? Because it feels really good to me. And so it goes back to the why I was attracted to what you had said earlier. You know, how you work is as important as what you accomplish. It's the how you do something. So when you stop doing what you've been taught, the question is, what should you do instead? And you create non-negotiables for your life. And you go, I'm not willing to negotiate this. I'm not willing to take this opportunity because people say, well, you have to take that opportunity. It came across your desk. You know, this, this is a big deal for you to, to get this speaking engagement. And the answer is maybe there have been companies that have come to me and said, I want to work with you. And I've looked at my schedule and went, you know, that falls on my husband's birthday. And I just, I say, no, I'm going to pass up. And some of my colleagues would say, that's crazy. That's a huge contract. And I go, and I'm really clear that I'm not willing to negotiate that part of my life. Now, maybe, maybe there have been years when I've worked on my birthday. There have been years when I have done things that some other people might look at and go, I'd never do that. It's about understanding and so who you are, what you want, and why it matters. And that's the transformation is that too often we get told you've got to do this and compromise who you are and what you want in order to get ahead. And I disagree. Wow. I mean, that's so powerful. And I'm thinking about a, a situation where I had a friend of mine who was offered to present in front of a client for the first time. And she came and asked me about it. And she was like, I don't really want to do it, but I'm kind of afraid to say no to my boss because I don't want them to think that I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in working hard or other things. She's like, but I just, I don't have any aspirations to do that kind of work in my future to be like the front person for client work. I like being the back behind the scenes person, right? So I'm imagining that you know, there's both the side of it that is about us making sure that we're not just going through the motions because we think that's what we're supposed to do. And also talking with our team members about their ability to make those decisions for themselves of what do they really want, what really matters, and be able to say no to us if we're creating opportunities for them that they're not interested in, or to be able to ask us for opportunities that they are interested that we haven't offered yet. I love that. That is that is really so beautiful to be in the conversation of what do you aspire to do? What do you want? Some people, they want to climb the ranks and sit in the C-suite in an organization. And some people don't. Some people like want to be behind the scenes. And we need people in, in the world that are visionaries. And we need people who are integrators who can, who, can, who can do the work. Everyone on my team has different gifts, abilities, skills, and experiences. And I ensure that they 
take an assessment before we start working together so I'm really clear and it balances me out so that I don't have six people on the team who all have the same end goal, the same place that they want. They all want something a little bit different based on what's going on in their life. And what's really important is to go back to them and not to go, well, I already know where they want to go. I know where he wants to go. I know where she wants to go. No, their life changes just like yours does. There are different seasons. There are different times when, when each individual has the capacity to give more, do more, see more, want to go someplace else. So a mission with how they work stays the same, but your vision of where you want to go changes. And if you don't have if you don't have a manager that's checking in with you and asking over and over again as to what your aspirations are and whether they're aligned with what they see, you may give them people opportunities that they don't want to have, they don't have any desire for. This actually, it, it brings up, I had a coaching client in an IT firm who was a regional director and her boss said, you know, you're, you're not, you know, you're really not a leader and her team loved her loved her because she she asked and she, however because she did, she asked a lot of questions and she really was involved in in what they wanted and and I said to her you're a brilliant leader the reason why your boss said that to you is because the things that you want in your career are different than what they want and they just don't have the capacity to understand that that doesn't make you any less amazing at what you're doing and you're getting all of this feedback from your team that they value what you give them so go back and have a conversation so in the coaching session i i said go back and have a conversation and here's here's what's really important to say and what's so fascinating is she came to me thinking she was going to leave the company and she stayed because just with those conversations and really getting that she didn't have to say yes to everything, it made a difference in her own health, happiness, success, and meaning. She didn't have to conform. She could transform. So well said. All right, we have to wrap up. So Lisa Marie, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic? Yes, I, that is a, an easy one for me. So when I was new in my career in federal law enforcement, I had an assignment that was one where we were looking for shipments of narcotics and I accidentally sent paperwork to the steamship company, giving them all of our intel. Okay. This is not a good thing. I am not proud of this. However, why this is important to share, and not a story that I can say that I've really shared very often, maybe five times in my life is that the manager that comes to mind is one who did not shame me. This manager, I went into his office and said, here's what I did. And he said, Lisa, go back to them and tell them that the paperwork you just sent them, ask them to shred it, and then send them the copy that has all of the blanked out information. And I said, all right. And he said, and one more thing, don't ever do that again. And why I appreciate that so much and why still in my heart, he is one of the best managers is that people are going to get it wrong. They're going to make mistakes. And some of the mistakes are going to be costly and gay or have the potential to be and how you treat them, whether you show kindness and compassion and respect 
makes such a difference. I ended up being the fastest promoted officer in the agency. I worked hard. I was an A student. I was willing to do the work. I was a great employee. And if that manager would have cut my legs off and shamed me or yelled at me, I'm clear it would have had an effect on me. And so how witnessing him do that has just made me carry how he interacted with me and how he behaved. And anytime I come into contact with somebody who does something, I, I go back to that. I don't always get it right. Sometimes I'm not as emotionally intelligent as he was. And I do my best to really show up in a way that shows empathy. Wow. Amazing. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? Upsidethinking.com is my website, U-P-S-I-D-E and the word thinking, T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G.com. And on there, there's information about the work that I do, as well as my annual leadership conference, three-day leadership conference that I hold every January, my Upside Summit. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for this chat today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks, Mamie. Appreciate the depth of your your wisdom around teams and being a rock star boss for your team. Lisa Marie has generously provided her influential leadership blueprint to members of the Modern Manager who are at the Sprout level or above. It's a simple step-by-step workbook that allows you to create clear next steps for your journey. To get this guest bonus and dozens more, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. If you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level, including the bud level where you get to join our bi-monthly Q&A calls. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Lastly, if you don't yet follow me on Instagram, come find me at MamieKS. I post all kinds of valuable content as well as fun things about my life and I'd love to share that with you. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.